Welcome to the Registered Investment Advisor Podcast, where financial services marketing expert Seth Green interviews experts, executives, and top producers to share can't-miss tips on how they successfully manage their financial service firms, grow their businesses, create great relationships, and influence the industry. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be joined by Dan Ulin from EliteStudentCoach.com. Dan graduated with honors from the University of Pennsylvania, earned his MBA from the Wharton School, got his MA in clinical psychology from Antioch. His elite student coach program dovetails his passion for coaching and mentoring with his extensive background in educating, writing, public speaking, entrepreneurship, media training, mental health, and the performing arts. And he is your team's private path to top tier colleges. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Seth. Great pleasure to be here. Likewise, let's go back in time a little bit. How did you get into the elite student coaching business to start? Oh, great question. So I actually started working with, with teens, with actually adolescents, when I was 12, 13, growing up in Newton, Massachusetts, a suburb outside of Boston. I, I've had two hobbies throughout my life. One is playing piano, although I, I cannot read a note. I've probably played every dive bar in the U.S., U.S., uh, UK, Europe, and and Southeast Asia, although music on the page is just squiggles to me. And the other is card magic, which years later when I was working with kids, I developed card magic as a mode of play therapy quite by accident. And I was actually teaching card magic to little kids when I was in the Newton Magic Creative Arts Program. And throughout my you know middle school, they used to call it junior high school, and high school career, I worked with kids and, and just loved that work. And um, when I graduated from Penn, University of Pennsylvania, and I was a big brother while I was at Penn working with kids. I taught uh, creative writing and uh, art and music at Andover Academy and was picked up by sheer accident on a research fellowship from Panasonic and the Japanese Department of Education to go to Japan on what was supposed to be a very short-term stint helping to design an English language curriculum for the Japanese high school system. And, you know, from the tippity top of Japan to the base of Japan, much like they do in Germany, they teach the same curriculum in the public high school system. And fell in love with Japan. This is the fall of 1983. And had I started in Tokyo, I never would have learned Japanese. But in the fall of 83 in Osaka, you kind of had to learn it or leave. <laughs> and I had a night job playing piano and singing in a bar and I learned it and fell in love with the place. And what was supposed to be a three-month uh, fellowship turned into four years in Japan. And um, I always knew I wanted to work with kids. Opened my own marketing communication shop after I came back. Spent some time in Europe for one of my American clients. But the through line on the work was always with communications. And along the way, I did some work with kids while I was working with corporate clients, uh, big corporate clients, BMW, uh, Mercedes-Benz, American Airlines, uh, uh, you know, British Aero, British Aerospace, that I ever say that, Rolls-Royce. Um, and when I came back to the States years later to D.C. and then moved to Los Angeles 30 years ago, where I live now with my beautiful wife uh, in the shadow of the Hollywood sign. Kelly, she's an actress. Um, kind of felt ill at ease about running my own Marcom shop. I love the work. I love the communication piece of it, but I miss the working with kids part. And around that time, this is about 10 years ago, right around the time it became even more competitive to apply to top schools. And I define a top, an elite school, and a great school by a school that's right for the kid in question, not a school that is going to necessarily drop jaws at cocktail parties, you know, a Harvard or a Penn or, or a USC, but a school that's right, right for the kid, which kind of puts me outside the, 
I guess, the norm of, uh, of most people in this business and really loved it and realized at that time, this is something that I want to weave into my work. And it was at that time that I, I decided to go back to school and get a master's in clinical psychology. And I worked entirely with kids at that time. And in California, you need to earn 3,000 hours, 3,000 hours to get your license. And I somehow earned 3,500 hours without realizing that I was doing that. And after earning 3,500 hours, my supervisor came to me and said, you know, you, you've earned 3,500 hours. You didn't count your hours. You should sit for the exam, the licensure exam. And I woke up the morning of the licensure exam and realized I, I don't want to be a therapist. I want to be a coach and work with kids. I can help more families. I can be of greater service. I can make more money. And where that leads to is I've got two long-term, long plays on this. One is that I want to open a five, in fact, I have opened a 501c3 to not only help kids who are applying to top 50, top 100 schools, but to help veterans, active members of the military, teachers, frontliners, and families in need, particularly families of color, all of whom I think get less than a fair shake in this country when it comes to getting a decent college education. And as part of my program and, and getting into college, a great college is more the byproduct than the end product of my program. We can get into that a little bit later. There are sort of three pillars of my program. One is uh, helping kids become just master communicators and everything that that means on paper, in person, within themselves, developing emotional intelligence. That's part one. Part two is, is giving them entrepreneurial smarts. I don't think any kid should go to college without a basic understanding of how to write a line of copy, how to read a balance sheet. Um, how to develop a fan base, how to put together a funnel. And the third is how to mentor other people. And while I'm mentoring my kids, I'm also teaching them how to mentor. It's a meta-mentoring sort of pay-it-forward thing. And I pull this together in workshops that I teach my kids how to do. And these are not, these are all skills that aren't taught at the high school level, public or private. They're also extremely monetizable. And they also, and while I love what's happening with AI, they're essentially AI proof. So this is really a legacy program for me. You know, my, my late father, after fighting a 20-year battle with Parkinson's, before when he retired, he went back and he taught third grade in the uh, in the public school system in Newton, where where he grew up, and and my grandfather did a version of the same thing. So this is a a lifelong thing for me. I mean, I work now because I, I sort of have to, but I'll never stop working. I, I until somebody I topple over and somebody sticks me in a black box. I love so much what I do. And to the second piece of what I'm doing, the meta mentoring thing, you know, my that goal is to over the next 20, 30 years, cultivate an army of mentees, um, young polymaths and Renaissance men and women. And, you know, the beautiful fractal geometry is that, you know, by the time I'm gone, maybe in a box and somebody, you know, brings me back to life. Like I think Keith Richards, love the stones, but I think he's been, you know, brought back to life before, um, have a hundred thousand kids on the ground doing the same thing. Here in the U.S., where I'm operating right now, as well as in Japan, my second home, South Korea, Singapore, and the Emirates, into which I'm expanding right now. Well, that I, I compress that down. I'm going to compress that down in in a way that's meaningful for you. That is a beautiful vision, and I'm sure the that is should if it isn't in a book somewhere, um, it should be. Now let's talk about elite student coach. Um, you've achieved some incredible results and you're specifically looking for kids who want to go to that top 50, top 100 schools. Talk yes. a little bit about how you work with them to get those amazing results. Sure. Uh, no, it's a great question. So it is a, it is a by application program because I'm a solopreneur. It's <laughs> right now it's me. Uh, it's a laptop, it's a Zoom account and a couple of lights. 
And the reason that I do this is that with great respect to, to many of my competitors, and there's some wonderful competitors in this space, almost all of them operate on a, on a team basis. In other words, there's somebody at the top of the company and there's a team either of admissions officers or young graduates from, from top universities, each of whom specialize in something, uh, SAT prep or applications. Um, it's not a model that works for me. And it wasn't that I looked at my competitors and said, this is how they operate. I want to operate in a different way. I just don't know another another way to operate. And to your point, I am in the process of writing two books to kind of crystallize this. So I'm very, very hands-on. But I meet the kids with whom I work. And I used to just take kids on at the 10th and 11th and 12th grade level. In other words, rising sophomores, juniors, seniors. The big on-ramp for me right now, in addition to that, is 7th and 8th graders. Because having a longer runway enables me to help them... Uh, put together extracurriculars. I have big quotation marks around extracurriculars, but really harnessing, cultivating, harnessing those passions and turning those into something in which they can be of great service to their communities and to themselves and to their families. And it also empowers me to help them start getting together, even if they're families of means. And my program is is quite costly, although it does have a, a great ROI at the end, so that they can start gathering those fellowships, scholarships, uh, grants, and, and this it's really a continuum when it comes to this, so that even if their family doesn't need the money, it can help them uh, skip over those 101s, you know, the, the math 101, or the, and help ladder them up so that by the time they're maybe juniors, they can be taking graduate level courses and help them kind of, kind of move along. It's an ultra-competitive world right now, and I think a more anxiety-provoking world for, for kids as well as their families, uh, which is why I realized, I guess, about a year ago that I'm 85% in the helping kids business and 15% in the parental anxiety <laughs> relief business. And I've since started a couple of workshops, uh, starting with the Mom Meltdown Masterclass, which helps fill- moms are really the gatekeepers. And I say this with great respect to the dads here too, and it works for them as well, but helping them cope with the, the anxiety that goes around helping their kids prepare and the lack of knowing like what's the thing to do. Private schools, public schools are like, there's no one clear path. And over the last five, six years, as you probably know, and I'm certain members of your audience know, uh, getting into really any school, much less the top 100 schools here in the United States, has become just insanely competitive. And so to your question, meeting the kids where they are, finding out where their talents lie, where they think their talents lie, where they don't know their talents and passions lie, because I don't know is always a great answer, as long as it's followed by, I don't know, but let's find out, or I don't know, but let's find out together. And embracing that, Embracing that, I don't know, that uncertainty. Because here in the States, we're very often taught, like, I don't know is not a great answer. But there's a beautiful, I don't know what the right way is to put it, that beautiful terror of not knowing and letting them know, like, that's okay. Let's find out. And while my wife is the actor in the family, she's done just a ton of movies. I've taken a lot of improv, um, which, as you know, is not, it's the opposite of stand-up. It's not a scripted act. It's just if it's good enough for the U.S. Marines, it's good enough for me. And helping apply that, apply to improv, where really anything that comes your way is something that you bring it, bring into your life. So it's a really an interdisciplinary program. And that's the way that I work with my kids. And um, I'm proud to say that over the course of the time that preceded my starting Elite Student Coach, officially five years ago, but it really it was a five-year on-ramp to that during which I was working with kids who were you know, sons and daughters of friends. Um, and since I started the business itself, all of the kids with whom I've worked have been admitted to their first or second choices of schools. And I do not say that to brag. I say that for this reason. 
the MO of how I work with my kids is uh, a combination of that Joseph Campbell hero's, hero's journey model, which everybody knows, combined with that beautiful quote by Michelangelo, which was that I saw the angel alive inside the marble before I began to carve. And empowering them to find that helps them become, go from exceptional to unstoppable along the way. Because I, again, I think that college is one stop along the way. It's not the, you know, okay, they got into a great school. We're going to drop the lumber off in the yard. We're done. Uh, and seeing it in that way and helping kids understand, as well as their families, that they're as much the buyer as the seller when it comes to presenting themselves, not only to colleges, but to potential employers and uh, people with whom they're going to shadow and uh, get internships. Um, so it's a mindset shift along the way. And that's how I work with my kids. So are you working with them on school selection, admissions, applications, essays, financial aid negotiation and forms? Everything. Absolutely everything except SAT prep. I think that's best left to SAT training companies like, and I'm going to leave some out, Princeton Review, Prep Scholar. Although I do, I do a lot of mindset work around that. I think those tests are really, and Princeton Review will say this, those are tests on how to take tests not on knowledge of tests. But even though schools have said that they're test optional, I don't know too many kids who are getting into um, schools where tests are still allowed. Like, so for example, here in California, the UC ecosystem doesn't allow tests to happen. But I do a lot of mindset work around that with, with the kids with whom I work, where if they're struggling on a certain aspect of the test, if they're struggling with the essay piece of it, we walk into that. But it's completely comprehensive and very hands-on. So when it comes to the selection of the schools, the visiting of the schools, the essays and cultivating the narrative that runs through that, the letters of recommendation, which are incredibly important. You know, very often, you know, the letters of recommendation, most most schools will allow two letters, two from teachers and one from um, an advisor at the school or a counselor at the school. And what typically happens, and this is how schools are set up, private and public alike, is that the school says, hey, we need two letters. And since a lot of this work, is, as well as <laughs> you can plan in advance, it inevitably gets done in the latter half of, of the senior fall semester of senior year. And I try and back it up so that the, by the time my seniors, they're not my kids, but I'll call them my seniors, arrive, I really don't want them to have very much to do during their senior year because they should be enjoying their senior year. You know, college is a rite of passage. So I try and get as much done for them with them as possible before that. But the letters of recommendation from teachers are really an important component in this. The narrative, and I, but the narrative, most people think the narrative is just the applications and the stories that are in there. But the narrative is the entire thing because admissions officers or AOs as they're called in this business don't want to have to connect the dots. They're deluged with applications. So case in point, one of my graduating seniors this year who got into her first choice, Northeastern in, in, in Boston. I, 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 I'm so proud of her, I can't even see straight. It was her first choice. She crushed it. And Northeastern went from 50,000 kids applying a couple of years ago to 96,400 applying for, you know, 2,500 spots uh, in the Boston campus. But somebody's taking those spots. I mean, somebody is going to take those spots. And the way that you punch through the clutter is finding a way to be different in a way that is genuine and authentic for you. But without, you don't want to have um, admissions officers have to connect the dots. So for the sake of anonymity, I'll call her Susan. You don't want to have to have the admissions officer say, okay, Susan's great at art and music, but I don't get how this all fits together. You want it to be a, a really clean narrative. So by the time the admissions officer or the reader picks up the application, they read the first couple of lines of it, and they're like, I get it. 
I have to know more. And so the way that those letters of recommendation feed into that is that you want the teacher to, the teachers in question, to have been warmed up a couple of years in advance or a year in advance, and those letters to go in counterpoint with what the narrative is, so that when the AO gets it, they're like, I understand. I understand why this person is so special. And again, coming back to what parents usually do, and I'm a big fan of having the kid be the self-advocate in this program, because when they're going on the tour to the school, I think the kids should call the school and say, listen, my name is, you know, John Smith or Billy Jidavumgav. I don't know why I picked that name. That's weird. And say, I'm going to be on campus. If you have a tour available, I'd like to do this. Kids, the, the schools keep a digital record of who's applying. And um, while many schools will say they expressing interest is an important part of this, they're building the, the class from the ground. And the art of self-advocating is very important. And I think parents are very well-meaning when they self-advocate for their kids. But again, coming back to the letters of recommendation, the LORs, parents will arrive October, November, pitchforks and torches in hand and say to the teachers, hey, we need this letter of recommendation. And what comes out of that are, are very you know, nice but bland recommendations. You know, uh, Johnny was a great student. His baking soda volcano was the hit of the science fair. I wish him well. You know, and I mean, ugh, what a, what a bland recommendation. And since all of these schools, I mean, the top 200 schools are deluged with recommendations and could fill themselves up many times over with teenagers with all A's and, you know, captains of their teams and top SAT scores. You need something that's going to really punch through the clutter. And these letter of recommendation, as well as the supplemental essays that are specific for each school, those are really the failure points. And I try and work on this with the kids. So to answer your question, there was a long roundabout way down the garden path. I work on everything. And the longer the runway I have, the better the job I can do with my kid, not kids, not for my kids. Well, that makes a ton of sense. And you've shared, obviously, a lot of information. We know your time's incredibly valuable. We greatly appreciate you spending some of it with us. For our viewers and listeners that want to learn more about how you can work with um, their kids who want to go to one of the top 50 or 100 schools, where is the best place for us to send them to learn about you? www.elitestudentcoach.com is a very short application form on that. Or just simply write me at dan at elitestudentcoach.com or... I'm going to give you, because this is your podcast, my private mobile number. It's just easiest to text me at this number, 310-400-9134. So again, www.elitestudentcoach.com. There's a very brief application uh, on that, uh, dan at elitestudentcoach.com or 310-400-9134. I have a few spots available in this program. I'd love to hear from you. And even if I'm not the right person for you, uh, it would be a great pleasure to be of service, and I will point you in the right direction. I think everybody should get some help. It's a very bewildering, thorny hedge maze out there, and uh, parents need the help, and I'm happy to be of service. This is my life's work. Absolutely. I hope this well, was helpful. It was. We greatly appreciate your time. This has been Seth Green with Dan Ulin from EliteStudentCoach.com. Thank you for watching or listening. We will talk to you or see you next time. See you on the other side. Thanks so much, Seth.